God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Not just a building, but the body. Not, not the individual person who lives by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in God. You are his church. And in this epic sermon series, epic story sermon series that we're talking about, you are the epic story. God is writing his story. And I was thinking about this, this just this week. And I'm sitting, sitting here going, God is, is writing your story. And I started to think about it. I'm going, no, he's already written your story. You're just discovering what's been written. Understand this is a crazy concept, but, but in Psalms it says in 139, 16, David says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. We're discovering the story that God has written for us. You are the epic story God is using you, the church, the body, to do significant things for his plan and his purpose. A couple years ago, I remember watching uh, a a movie, and I'm kind of a movie guy. I enjoy watching some movies, and one of the movies that I started to watch was a movie called Slumdog Millionaire. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not, but there's this just thought, this, this one thought about the slumdog movie. Basically, it's this guy from India who's, who's down on his luck. His whole life has been, um, you know, uh, no education. He's in the, in, the, in the slums, you know, in, in Mumbai or wherever, wherever he was. And basically, he gets his lucky chance to go on the TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And, you know, you have to answer all these questions. And the more questions you answer, the more money you win. And as he starts to go through, there's like 15 questions, and every one of the questions, except for the very last question, at that point, he gets right. And for some reason, as he starts to go through, like every answer to every question had something to do within his life, that he knew the answer to each of the questions because somehow it was written within his story to know. And when he gets down to the very last question, question, if you remember the story, if you've seen the movie, I'm going to spoil it for you, (laughs) if you haven't. He says, he says, they ask a question, and he looks at the guy, and he goes, do you know the answer? And he goes, no, I don't know the answer. He goes, well, you got one lifeline left. You want to call a friend? Sure, I'll call a friend. So he calls a friend, and that person has no idea either. And then he looked at him, and he says, well, what's the answer? He says, I don't know. How about and he goes, well, how, are you willing to put all of that money and all of this thing on an answer that you have no idea? And then he says something very profound. He says, maybe it's written. Maybe the story's been written. Maybe I'm supposed to win the million dollars. I mean, it's kind of, it's a story. It's, it's, it's not true. It's just a story. But, but it's this idea that, that, that there's a story, there's an epic story that God in some way has, has ordained and planned every moment of our lives. And in our obedience and even in our disobedience, God is sovereign over it all. This last week, I was really struggling with that thought. Can God use us in disobedience. I thought that was kind of an interesting thought. Because in the Bible, and even the story we're going to read today, it was in Abraham's obedience that God does an amazing work. 
But as I look at the Bible, there's even times when the disobedience of people, even Abraham with Hagar, God still has a way of reworking and writing in the story. He is sovereign. He is good. He is gracious. He is kind. Now I'm going to tell you something, though. In your disobedience, you don't get to see the plan as clearly as you do in your obedience. When you, when you follow God and when you do what he tells us to do and, and when you respond to the nudges and the Holy Spirit of what he tells you to do, you get to be a part of the story and you're going to be able to see clearly the story. We, we, I hope and pray that, that we desire to follow God and to obey what he tells us to obey and to do. Because in doing that, we find our purpose. We find the plan. We see that it's good, pleasing, and perfect. Or, you know, good, pleasing, and perfect. His will is. And so for, for us today, as we, we look at some of these stories and we think about our story, I hope that we will recognize that it's all about God's faithfulness to us and our response to him. And the response that we hopefully move towards is saying, yes, I will be obedient to what you call us to do and to be. If you have your Bibles, turn in the, you can turn to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look at the story today uh, on Abraham and the story of Abraham and Isaac. And this story is a story that I, I, it's becoming one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I, the reason I believe it's becoming one of my favorite stories in the Bible is because as I start to share this story, I start to see like parallels that are super awesome for like not just the Old Testament, but for the New Testament. And not just for the Old Testament and the New Testament, but for each of us today. That in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 22, when they talk about Abraham, like the gospel message is being proclaimed way back then. That God is setting the stage for Abraham. That he's written the story of Abraham. And, and he's written it all the way through from the, from, the, you know, from the beginning all the way until even presently today we can learn from the story of Abraham. Abraham uh, was was given a, a promise from God. For whatever reason, God calls Abraham and says, hey, I'm gonna give you this land. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this, this, the nation. I'm gonna bless you. Um, I'm gonna give you descendants that outnumber the stars in the universe, the sand on the seashore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this type of work within you. And if you know the story, uh, his wife Sarah, Sarai at the time, right, couldn't have kids. She was barren. And so, so just in that idea, it doesn't make sense. The story doesn't seem to actually work, but you gotta keep reading the story. You see, so many times in our life, we, we stop before the story's been, before we've discovered what the story truly is. We go, God, you can't do this. God, you can't do that. I mean, I would imagine today that there are many people within this own, in our room today that would go, I don't know how God's going to get through this situation in our life, how he's going to be faithful through this circumstance or this situation. But you got to keep being patient. You got to keep letting God continue to work. See, because when, when Abraham hears this idea that, that, that God's going to bless him, he's going, how? Sarah can't have kids. She's barren. 
So sometimes we take matters in our own hands. Sarah says, hey, take Hagar. Hagar will allow you to have a kid, and if you have a kid through Hagar, maybe that's God's provision. Maybe that's God's plan. Why don't you do it your way, and maybe don't focus on being God's way, but do it your own way. And in that disobedience, it still worked, but it wasn't God's plan. Yeah, they had Ishmael and, and these types of things, and Ishmael was going to be a great nation, and, and, and God was going to bless Hagar through this, this great nation, but Ishmael would be, oh boy, everybody would be at war with him. He was going to create tons of problems and conflict. God had a better plan, and the better plan was to open up Sarah, Sarah's womb so that she could have a baby and have Isaac, which we all know means laughter because she's over, like, almost 100 years old and going, I can't have a kid. Let's name this kid Laughter because God did something pretty amazing to allow me to have a kid. God did this work and all of a sudden now he's, 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 he's provi- provided the sun, the air, in some ways that we're going to continue so that his promised Abraham that he is descendants without number of the stars in the universe and the sand on the seashore. Finally, it happens. Here's Isaac. <laughs> so what happens next? God says, well, let me tell you a story. This is what I want you to do. To me, this makes no sense. But you gotta keep reading the story. If you have your Bibles, Abraham, uh, Genesis chapter 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, he said, yes, he replied, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Huh? Sacrifice him? Didn't you just provide this son for me? Didn't you, all these years, didn't you say you had a promise for me? How in the world are you going to fulfill your promise if, if, you, if you kill my one and only son? How can you do that, God? I mean, isn't it true that within our own lives, in our own circumstances, within our own situations, we so many times doubt and question the way that God wants to do something in our life? We doubt it. We question it. We go, you can't. This isn't a good plan. Let me do it my own way. And yet God continues to remind us and tell us his way is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. He will do the right thing. He says, go to the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire for a burnt offering and he set out from the place God had told him about. On the third day of his journey, can you imagine? He's 100 years old at this time, Abraham, and he's going on a three-day journey. And he's going into Canaan. Like he's going into a place that's, that's, that's not... The, his nation is not his, you know, like he's going into a, a foreign land in a sense of like he's going, he's going through, like he's got, like this is kind of a crazy thought, like, and then why in the world would you go all the way, you know, from where you are three days into this place called Mount Moriah? Why would you go there? Does, it, does that make any sense for Abraham? He's kind of going, man, it, it makes more sense, you know, for, for us to go to Horeb. I mean, that's where we were at, and that's where we kind of lived, and that's a better place. It's a it's a good place to, to do this altar thing. But you want me to go to the more, you know, Mount Moriah? You want me to go all the way over to this place? It's a three-day journey. Why would you have me do that, God? Like, don't we ask God these types of questions? And it keeps on. 
sharing, uh, as he keeps going, on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we'll come right back. Then we will come right back? Maybe. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. While he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, and he arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I wonder what Abraham was thinking. Again, God, you told me I was going to be blessed and that we would be a blessing to the nations. You told me that I was going to have descendants, and this seemed to be the only plan was through Isaac, and now you're actually asking me to sacrifice him. I wonder if Abraham thought, deep down in his mind, I messed up with Hagar. That my sin, that my choices, that doing it my way is gonna cause my son to have to die for my wrongdoings. And then he maybe even thought to God, like, why don't you take me instead? It's my sin. It's my fault. I deserve it. And yet he says, no, take your one and only son and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah a long ways away. Do this and obey me. And so he takes the knife. He lifts it up and says, and, and he was going to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your one and only son. we have to continue to think about the whole story of God. That even, even in the story of Abraham, there's this, it's a great story, like, and it's, a, it's, a, it's been kind of ups and downs, and we're not so certain, we're not so sure, but, but even at the way at the end of the story of Abraham, it's not the end of God's epic story. God is still at work describing and communicating and helping us understand that he has this bigger story. And so right after that, as he says, you know what, you don't have to kill your one and only son for the sacrifice of the burnt offering. I can see that you were willing to, that you were obedient. So, so I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do amazing things. But there still is a requirement for me. There's still a requirement for sin. There's still a, a, a something that you must do. You must, you must still let something die for the sacrifice so that in some way our sin could be atoned for. So there's a ram within the thicket right over there. And the ram was caught into the thorns of the thicket. 
And all of a sudden, Abraham, he says, okay, God. And they killed the, the animal and, the, and you know, sacrificed it at that point. And Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people you still use the name as a, as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In verse 15, it says, then the, then the angel of the Lord came and called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you've obeyed me. Because you have obeyed me. There's something here. Because you've obeyed me. And I have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer cities of their enemies, and they will, and though your descendants, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. All because you have obeyed me. Um, I told, as I was telling you the story, I love this story because there's so many parallels. The epic story doesn't end with Abraham. It actually is still being worked out even today. But let's look at some of the context of what's happening here. This story parallels the story of Jesus. It's a super awesome connection. And uh, on one of the slides I have up here, first off, sin must be atoned for, right? We know that sin must be atoned for. Our sin must be atoned for. Jesus dies on the cross as a sacrifice for us. The ram was a sacrifice Abraham had one and only son. The Father God in the Bible says that he has one and only son. There's a connection here. It's interesting, I read this commentary, that, that Isaac carries the wood up the mountain, up the hill, just like Jesus carries his cross. That there was a sheep or a ram that was caught in the thorns on his head, just like the thorns that Jesus had on his head. Is there a parallel? Is there a connection can you see it? The God, Yahweh Yahweh, the, the, the Yahweh Yahweh, the Lord will provide. He provides a sacrifice for us. Not only does he provide a sacrifice for Abraham so he doesn't have to sacrifice his son, he also provides Jesus as our sacrifice so that we don't have to die. It's a neat connection. And then the fact that it's on Mount Moriah, which is super amazing, is the fact that Mount Moriah today is where the Temple Mount is in Jerusalem. They went all that way for what reason? So that at some point in time that God in so many ways is gonna show his story of sacrifice, show his story of his provision, show his story and, and it's been being written for all time that God would, would try to reveal to us and reveal to us this story that God is doing an amazing work and that he's providing for us and he's gonna provide someday for us to have Christ be our sacrificial lamb that's going to die. Because on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem is where they would have sacrifices. For years and years and years, they would kill the animals and the blood would, would uh, pour out and our sins would be atoned for. Can you imagine when Jesus showed up many years later and when he went to the cross and his blood was shed and they said he was the perfect lamb of God that took away the sin of the world and that the temple curtain ripped in two because the Lord had provided a sacrifice for all time? How epic of a story is that? 
And even today that each and every one of us who believe in Christ, each and every one of us are now set free from the sin that trips us up and the sin that distracts us and the disobedience that gets us into trouble. Um, today's message, I, I want to say that I believe God has written a story for you. That God in some ways is going to use you just like he used Abraham, just like he used Isaac, just like he's using Jesus, like all these different stories. Like God is also using you. We are the church and the church, the body, each of us has a certain story and each of us has an opportunity to be a part of that story to impact the world. Um, and I started, started thinking about, I wanted to share a couple of stories. When I look back into my life, there are times when I've said, God, your story is you know, your story is so good. Like your presence in my life or, or these moments in my life were too good not to believe, you know, to believe that there is a God, that I couldn't doubt there is a God because you do this work within my own life or my own story. When I had first preached Abraham and Isaac, it was about two years ago, and it was uh, the Sunday before the last Twins game of the year. So it was September Okay, because they don't play in October. Okay, <laughs> um, mostly. Okay, so anyway, it was the last game of the Twins game was on a Tuesday, and I preached this sermon on a, on a Sunday. And I remember that because as I was um, going to head down with my family in a minivan driving down to the Twins game, I get a phone call from my friend Jason, and Jason says, "Hey, Josh, uh, you remember you were supposed to come and talk to our staff tonight at the mission." Um, you know, you're supposed to speak to the staff. And I had forgotten, completely forgotten. And so I was kind of going, okay, what time? He's telling me the time. He's like, well, can I come right now and just do like the first 15 minutes and then can I leave? And he says, sure, go ahead. So I drive in there and I leave my kids in the van, okay, <laughs> and my wife. I'm like, just hang out. I'll just be like 15 minutes or whatever because I was trying to make this, fix this thing, you know. Like, I'm going to go in and speak and then I'm going to come back out and we'll go to the Twins game. And, you know, we had... We had planned just kind of late last minute to go down there. We didn't have tickets, didn't have anything like that, but we were like just heading that direction. And I got into the, uh, to the opportunity to speak to this mission, to the staff of the mission. And as I started to share, I knew Jason wanted me to talk about um, that the Lord has continued to provide. So I thought, well, this is perfect. That I just got done preaching Abraham and Isaac and, the, and Yahweh Yaira, the Lord will provide. And so I started to think about, well, what can I share? And so I started to share this story and I talked about all these things. And, and as I was, um, started the sermon or the message, I said to them, has there ever been a time when you've heard Jason say, you're never gonna believe what's happened? And they all raised their hand. God's been faithful. He provided for the roof. He provided for this. He provided for that. And as I started there and I shared Abraham and Isaac, at the very end of the message, um, when I got done, I was like, okay, uh, I got to go because my kids are still in the car. My wife's still waiting for me. We're going to a twins game. And at, at that moment when I said that, the lady in the back of the room goes, hey, Josh. And I go, yeah. She goes, do you have tickets for the twins game? And I said, no, we're going to get them you know, on the way down. Uh, at the game, she goes, well, somebody dropped off five tickets that today for the game, here you go. And I said, Yahweh Yaira, the Lord will provide. I mean, it was just as, you know, those, and I'm sitting there going, God, you got such a great story. 
And you got all these things written or whatever. And so I take the tickets and I'm super excited. And I walk uh, over to the minivan and I get in and I, I look at my family and I said, you're never going to believe what happened. <laughs> you see, God has this funny way about what he does. In our obedience or even in our disobedience, God has a way of working it out in our sovereignty. But, but when we obey, we get to see the blessing. In our disobedience, we only look our own way. In our obedience, we see what God is doing. See, the challenge today is, is, to, is to obey. It's to respond to what God has called us to do. It's respond for his purposes and his plan. A bunch of years ago, we were um, in the church when we started doing Hey God and Yay Gods. There was a, a gentleman that told us that, you know, what if you did um, some spiritual nudges as a part of your hey God and yay God. So it wasn't just hey God or yay God, it was a hey God, yay God, or you could share a spiritual nudge that God nudged you to do, and you could share the story of what you did. And, and I thought that was perfect for what we needed to, as I needed to share today, is what has God nudged you to do in your life that you've said yes to? What's something that he's nudged you to do that you've said yes to and you've seen the fruit of saying yes to the nudge? Because it's something small, it can be something you know, simple, but yet it has huge impact. It makes a huge difference when we respond with, yes, I will. Just this last week, I had this opportunity and it was kind of one of those things where I was like, not so certain um, why or what, but, but I started to see like maybe God was doing something in a story. I, I, I walked out a week ago on Saturday out of, um, you're never going to guess, Champlin Lifetime Fitness Pickleball. Okay, I was walking out of there on a Saturday morning. And as I was walking out of there, all of a sudden God told me, he said, Josh, I want you to give a phone call to a friend of yours who you haven't seen for a long time. And I thought, okay. So I just called, made a simple phone call, it was a simple nudge, and as I called, I, I got, uh, he didn't answer, he called me back later, and he called me back, and as we were talking on the phone, he said, he said to me, he goes, can I meet with you on Monday? And I said, sure, so we met on Monday, and as we were, as we were there talking, he said to me, he said, Josh, he says, um, I gotta tell you, why, I gotta ask you a question, he goes, why did you call me on Saturday? And I go, well, I just felt this love for you. I don't know. It just, I thought I was supposed to. I don't know. God just told me to call you. I just called you. He goes, well, I got to tell you, he said, in that moment that you called, I was just processing in my head about how a broken relationship has, you know, this relationship I had was helping me go to church and helping me connect with God. And now that relationship broke up. And I was contemplating whether or not I was supposed to continue to go to church or continue to follow God or continue down this path. And he said, at that moment, you called. At that moment, you called. And he goes, you're the only other person in my life that has been consistent in trying to bring me closer to God. And he said, thank you. And we started to talk going into deeper conversation and things like that. Um, I just believe that God is still writing, or he's written the story, but we're all a part of the story. And that are the nudges and the moments that we respond in obedience and say yes to, God uses in powerful ways. We're super important. The church is meant to make a difference in the lives of the people. So um, 
Let's pray. God, as you continue to do your work, as you continue to be faithful, help us, Father, to follow your will, to follow your path, to be obedient to what you call us to. Help us be able to see the impact and to recognize, God, your faithfulness in what you're doing. God, I thank you for this church and this community and this opportunity that we have to be the salt, to be the light into a dark and weary world in which we live. God, I pray that uh, today's message and the, the, the story of Abraham and Isaac and the message of, of how and what you were doing in the middle of all these things, that we would see that as an epic story that continues today in us for us to share the same good news, the same gospel to the world because all of us need you. And you have provided everything that we need. The Lord does provide. You provide for us. And we can hold on to that truth. So thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and worship with us.